Hey, hey, welcome to the Rare Perspective Podcast. I'm Amber, and I'm a mom of a child with a medically rare condition. Being a rare mom has given me a truly rare perspective and plenty of funny stories. But what is not so rare, I've realized, everyone has had their own perspective-shifting moments in their lives. And that's what this podcast is all about. I want to inspire and help illuminate your own perspectives as we talk about real life, the good, the hard, and everything in between, and ultimately, how our faith drives it all. Hey, hey, welcome to the Rare Perspective Podcast. It's Amber. This is episode number four. And it's interesting because I have been sort of preparing for this week's podcast for a couple weeks now, um, thinking about the topic, writing out some notes and some ideas. I even started recording a little bit. And then I took a trip to Arkansas to see Jordan's vascular team in Little Rock. And after that appointment, I came home and I was reflecting on our journey and the things that, um, the news that we got while we were there and how it made me feel. And I am deciding last minute, like last night, I am totally scrapping my original content, which is going to be kind of the evolution of my faith throughout this process and how it's changed. And instead, I'm just going to talk about something really raw and vulnerable that's that is come up just this week. What I'm going to talk about today is actually in a, a really strange emotion that I have experienced one other time in the past, and it was very strong and it was confusing, and I didn't know what to do with it. And this time when it came up again, it was less strange. I realized it immediately. But this time I was capable of being more curious about it, being able to pay attention to it. And so I thought I would go ahead and talk about that. The emotion I um, experienced, I guess I need to start working, start and work backwards. Um, Since Jordan was born and before, we rarely get good news. Um, In fact, I think quite often... I go in expecting um, to be words like, well, I've never seen this before, or we can't explain that, or I'm not quite sure what's going on here. That is a very common phrases for us. Very few times has it been good news. And um, we just had a great appointment on Tuesday last week. We drove into Little Rock and we make a big deal out of it. We make our Bucky stop on the way and we are get her all excited about seeing all of her favorite doctors and all the things. And we were doing a follow-up because it has been a crazy two years. Jordan has had three surgeries, one major surgery, but three surgeries in the past two years. And not to mention... The last six years of her life, she has had countless, countless imaging and been under anesthesia. I I kept try to keep track for a while. I know we're over 30 times. Over 30 times she has been under some sort of anesthesia. Um, And we've been tried three different trial drugs, um, none of which have worked well, one of which has had had. Um, some major effects of bleeding and losing our hair. And so needless to say, it's been, it's been hard. The last six years 
has been hard being a medical mama and watching your baby go through so much um, pain and and hard times. It's just, it is one of the most gut-wrenching things to know that your child is in pain and there's absolutely nothing you can do. And yeah. So with that said, this last appointment last week, the follow-up, we had an incredible, incredible appointment follow-ups. She is looking great. Her health is stabilizing. Her pain is under control. There is no other concerning um, vascular anomalies that we need to be worried about right now for surgery. She really is a healthy girl, a healthy child that happens to have a vascular anomaly. And that is great news. And I am so excited that they said, you know what, for 2023, here's our game plan. Here's the game plan. Let's do absolutely nothing if we can. No imaging, no anesthesia, no surgeries. Let's just give her body a break. Wow. I'm ecstatic, elated. That is amazing to know that she is in such a great place. And it's it's weird. It's such a weird feeling to have such excitement that your child is doing well and their health is stabilized. And at the exact same time, feel mixed emotions and honestly, grief. Good news brought on grief. That is surprising and confusing. I didn't know what to do with it the first time. And this time I was able to reflect on those emotions on my long drive home. On our way home, I, well, first, to be honest, I was really judgy about my emotions, about feeling these mixed emotions. I'm like, how can you be not excited? How are you also excited and feel weighty at the same time? It's So at first I was just really judgy about my emotions. And then once I finally allowed myself to get past um, the fact that these are my real emotions and not to judge them, um, I begin to reflect on them. And it's as if, it's as if like a weight had been lifted off my shoulders and that the news that we got that 2023 could be a year of rest and a year of um, giving her body a break was like somebody taking that weight off my shoulders. And for some reason, that was scary. I got used to it. That weight on my shoulders is what, that's all I know for years now. It's become part of my identity. I am a medical mom who works really hard. Everything I do, my life seems to be revolved around that between how I raise my kids and in my career of speaking and and podcasting and my relationship with the Lord. All those things started because of this weight on my shoulders. And so when you start to lift that weight off my shoulders, I'm like, whoa, 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 hold on. Who am I? What? What's going to happen? So I think that's the first thing. Her improvements triggered a response of identity and uncertainty. 
I, I really think that our brains are wired to really have certainty. It is easier to be certain that things are going to be hard and I can lean on God and get through. For some reason, it's a lot harder to be uncertain about, oh, wait, wait, you mean everything's okay right now? What does that mean? Is it going to be okay forever? Is it just temporary? When's the next shoe going to fall? The reality is that this 2023 plan might fall apart. We may not go 2023 with no. We're giving our body a break. Something can and might and possibly will happen. And so it's like the uncertainty of it all is just really has a negative, scary effect. And that was shocking. And I, I think the reason I'm bringing these up, I have three total, but that's number one is that we all know people who are struggling and going through hard times and we we need to be aware that when things change even for the good there are interesting emotional effects especially when it has been a chronic thing that has been going on in their life and all of a sudden you're like okay there's this chronic thing and then there's a positive shift awesome well it is awesome but there's also some some chemical imbalance of the brain that's like whoa 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 what's going on so let's make sure that we pay attention and 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 be supportive of our friends and family who are struggling who gets great news after a long you know time of chronic illness or pain or whatever it might or loss whatever it might be so just wanted to bring awareness to that and as I continue to reflect a, a second a second thing started to rise and I already sort of started talking about it a little bit. The second thing is that reality, our reality with her condition that is complex and chronic and there's no cure is that it's not going to always be this way. And so if I allow myself to relax for a moment and let my brain go back to a new, the, the original version of me. It's, it's like it's like who I am shifted. And the idea for a whole year, I can get used to shifting back. Um, scares me because I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to shift again. And so um, just the reality that this is most likely temporary brought on a little anxiety for me. So the first thing was that confusion of my identity. Like, who... Who am I? Where do I belong? I mean, my career of speaking on stages and telling people how to navigate their children's curiosities about people and children who are not like them um, revolves around Jordan's story. And so it's like, where do I fit in? Do I still fit in there? Am I still an expert in that? I mean, I know I am. I'm just saying these are the things that come up where it's like all of a sudden you're like in the in-between. Like, She's not, her health is stable enough that I don't really belong into the complex group of people who you can rely on and like lean on. And then I don't really fit into the normal mamas that have no medical problems with their children. And so I'm kind of in that in between. It just kind of feels like this identity crisis. So that's the number one. The second one was just the reality, like just the reality of Jordan's condition and how it is long term brings up anxiety to think that if I pause for a moment, I'm just going to like forget about it all. And it's going to be really hard to jump back into again, kind of like starting all over. 
And the third one, the third thing, honestly brings the biggest pit in my stomach. This is the hardest one of the three, for sure, is a fear of loss. Loss of community. Um, We have developed and have the best community of supporting, loving, kind people all over the world, actually. Um, it's incredible. It, it is uplifting and a blessing. And there is this deep down fear that when we don't need the urgent prayer request, we don't have an upcoming huge appointment or uncertainty of what the images might say or big surgery coming up, where do those people go? Where is the support that we have needed to continue moving forward? It just is like this grief and this uh, and this idea that we're just going to lose all of that. Because we felt it before. This is actually real. This is not just a fear. Like th- That is kind of the double-edged, double-edged sword of um, having a great community when you have um, lots of prayer and things needed is that you develop this community and when you need them man it's incredible it is incredible but then when you don't need them it is nothing there and so it's really isolating and lonely and so the idea that for an entire year I don't need urgent prayer from this community I feel like it's I'm gonna be very 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 isolated and lonely this year So the double-edged sword of positive outcomes has been a shift in identity, kind of an imposter syndrome crisis, reality that things are not always going to be great and that it's going to be hard to bounce from and redo and relearn how to get bad news again. And number three... Loss, loss of community, loss of people around you who you've relied on for so long. And with that said, I really want to um, dig into some scripture to help support maybe someone I have seen as I was thinking about this. I was like, who have I seen in scripture who has experienced um, maybe mixed emotions from good news? So the first person I thought of was Abraham and Sarah in the book of Genesis. In chapter 17 of Genesis, you have God giving Abraham the promise of a son, a promise of Isaac, and the promise of what that means, that he will be the father of all nations and and all the blessings will come from his bloodline. And in chapter 18, you have the Lord still appearing to Abraham at the Oaks of Mamre. Um, I love this part. And in verse 9, the Lord says to Abraham, he says, Where is Sarah, your wife? He said, She is in the tent. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent behind them. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and advanced in years, and way of a woman had ceased, meaning she's probably past menopause. And um, she laughed to herself, saying, After I am worn out 
and my lord, meaning her husband, is old. He's about 100 years old at this point. Shall I have pleasure? Probably meaning that they have not had intercourse in a very long time. They've probably given up. Um, Sarah had been barren her whole life. She's around 80 years old here, and she has been barren. And it's become her identity. It's become who she is. Um, And they've long given up, long given up having a son or having children. So this news that she received is great news. She's going to have a child. The Lord himself promises that they're going to have a son and she can't do anything but have a mixed emotion. Her response of laughter here is more of disbelief in, in like, like this is not good, great news. She had mixed emotions versus Abraham, who also fell on his face and laughed when he received the news. It's seen as like awestruck and excited laughter. Like, are you kidding me? Versus, oh, there's no way. And um, I think that's a great example of a time where it's great news and their emotions and her identity um, was affected by that news. Sarah was so defined by her barrenness that even after Isaac was born, she continued to struggle. She struggled to trust God, to trust her husband, to even trust herself to the point where she decided to um, convince her husband to sleep with Hagar and have Ishmael. And then she sent them away because that's how much she's still struggling. She could not get her mind wrapped around this good news. I had someone tell me about this story that Sarah at this point had a scarcity mindset, which is exactly the opposite of an abundance mindset that faith calls for. The second story I thought of was Mary, um, the mother of Jesus, specifically in um, Luke chapter 1 and 2. Um, Mary in Luke chapter 1, um, Gabriel comes and appears to her and um, speaks to her about the best news of all, not just good news, but we're talking about like good news as in like the definition of good news in Greek, which means the gospel. So I mean like the good news. Um, after receiving that news, the reality of that news had to have set in. No wonder she treasured all the things into her heart. You you don't see a lot of words from Mary. You just see her pondering, reflecting. And I could just imagine the emotions she must have experienced. Because out of this great news, the reality is that she is going to be rejected and there's going to be rumors and maybe even her future husband is going to reject her and not marry her because he he's going to think she's not he's not going to believe her and he's not going to marry her um i think there you see this mixed emotion because you see in a little bit later she actually visits elizabeth And when she visits Elizabeth, she has this most beautiful, beautiful song that she sings. So you see that excitement. You see the the things that she has been pondering. But then you also see some heaviness and some weightiness of the reality of it all. It's very prophetic. 
um, the poem, the song is. And then later in Luke chapter 2, she actually joins Joseph um, to do the census in in uh, Bethlehem. Um, at the, in that day, she didn't have to go with him. He was the one that would represent the family. Um, the women sometimes didn't, well, oftentimes they did not go. They didn't need to go. They would stay back and take care of the home and, and the children and the, 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 whatever it is, crops or flock or whatever it is that they did. And the men would go and represent and do the census and then come back. Well, it looks in Luke chapter 2 um, that Mary went with him. We know that for sure. But it looks like they may have stayed a while. And that is interesting to me because it's almost as if they needed to remove her from gossip and emotional distress. Because the reality of the good news is confusing. And my last story is um, Jesus And I'm in the book of Mark, the gospel of Mark in chapter six, when Jesus is rejected in Nazareth, like his hometown, like where he grew up. He's older now. He's been on this ministry. He has disciples following him. He's back in town and he's in the temple and he has the opportunity to get up and to preach, to get up and to um, say a word and read from the scrolls and to say something about it. And what he has to say, his community, his family and friends, the people who's known him since he's a little boy, the people who have always, has been there for him and, and has prayed over him and for him as they saw that he had a special calling in his life are rejecting him. What loss he must have felt in that moment. He knew the good news of the gospel and what he was there for and what he was what he was saying when he was reading from the scroll in the temple. It was great news, but all he received was a community that was no longer there for him. And what loss he must have felt in that moment. So I just want to wrap up by just going over those things once again. Um, The three things, the three mixed, double-edged sword of good news. One, identity. Sarah um, had her identity wrapped up in what it meant to live her life. She's accepted (laughs) Um, this role um, that she had been given. And it was hard to understand this new identity, this new shift. And she struggled. But she did it with faith. And even in the book of Hebrews, it says that she does this because of her faith. She trusts God. She trusts Abraham. And she moves forward. Secondly, you have Mary herself struggling with her good news and the reality of the weightiness of it. But she trusts God and she moves forward. And lastly, we have Jesus and in, in, in the loss that he must have experienced when his own community and his the people who are closest to him were no longer there for him when he needed them. But he knew And he trusted God, his father, and he knew his purpose, and he moved forward. So 
I say all that to say that um, although I have been having these raw emotions and they are real and I'm not going to reject them um, of what it what it means for us in 2023 to have a year potentially off that it's going to be a new kind of struggle and I'm going to trust God. I want to lean on him and I'm going to move forward and I want to encourage you to do the exact same, just like these amazing people in the Bible that I get to read and, and, and apply in my life. So that is me, a rare mom with a rare perspective, and I'll see you next time.